0: it is Jared the GM live out at Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena Preds tonight against the Washington Capitals that game is at 7 o'clock right here on ESPN 1025 the game Floyd we've talked about the Marcus Mariota approval poll where again Mariota today checking in this week at about 53% Uh, last week he was 61% the week before that he was 29% so as the team goes so does the fans' feelings towards their starting quarterback. Now, one thing I do wonder if we ran a poll on. If we ran in a, a poll on the approval of the offensive line of the Tennessee Titans, what do you think that would check in? <laughs> do you think it would crack good. 10%? Not real good. <laughs> like, I, I do <laughs> wonder if it would literally crack 10% I no of idea. people saying that they approve of the line. And yet, the line's a mess. They've got a starting center who they've given a contract extension to, so they think he's good. They've got a Pro Bowl left tackle. They've got an all-pro right tackle, although to be fair, Jack hasn't played at an all-pro level in three years, but he is an all-pro. They've got a highly paid left guard, and then they've got the, the they've got a, a giant hole at right guard. <laughs> although, I don't know if you notice, it's Pam Field back to practice on a limited basis. Uh, oh, I'm thrilled. So get excited about that. Oh, yeah. But... Now, but, we can, now
1: we can cut him.
0: But the offensive line is just a freaking mess. And yesterday Mike Grable said the what I think is the obvious, for whatever reasons it might not work, the obvious, and that is uh, maybe they got to find a way to get Dennis Kelly out there. This is what Mike Grable said. You
1: may have referenced Monday that we were looking to maybe expand the role of Dennis Kelly. Is that my accurate there? And
2: Expand on that. Well, I mean, I just said it was an option. I mean, we have options now. I mean, I think we have more options, and you know, again, we'll we, we were a little heavy if you look at the roster, you know, at O linemen But you know, there were injuries there. There were things that were happening, and so you know, we just have to try to make sure that everybody knows what to do. They're playing with great effort, you and, and up front, you know, they blocked their guy. It's a big, big one-on-one matchup game for us this, this week. I mean, they're. It'll be critical that everybody focuses on their one-on-one matchups and and wins those across the board on all three phases.
0: So forget that last part. It's a big one-on-one matchup every day when you're the offensive line. And Vrabel has said it's not the coaching, it's the one-on-one matchups that are the problem anyways. But forget about that for now. He said Dennis Kelly's an option. And he said we now have more options. Well, if Dennis Kelly is an option, somebody help me. Where is Dennis Kelly, and why is he not playing right guard right now? I know he's not a guard, Floyd. I don't care. He's one of the best five linemen on the team, and Nate Davis might be a guard, but you can't tell me Nate Davis with no NFL experience is better than Dennis Kelly right now.
1: I mean, you like to think that couldn't happen, but in fact, with him moving to guard, it might and I don't know that. I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen him play guard. I mean, I, I know he's, people have said he's played guard periodically, but I, I can't ever remember him lining up there.
0: I can remember like three plays he played at guard. They were three critical plays, but three plays in London last year against the Chargers. Uh, Quentin Spain was out that game, so Levin played guard. And then Josh Klein got hurt right at the very end of the game, and I believe Kelly played right guard on the uh, touchdown pass to Luke Stocker that set up the two-point conversion, and then Kelly played right guard on both two-point conversion plays. So three snaps off the top of my head that Kelly's played at guard for the Titans.
1: Yeah, I, I ju- that's just one of those things I don't you, you don't know. You know how do you, Where do you fit them? And it's so unusual because the, the, the typical team will have plenty of centers and guards. You know, we've got centers and guards everywhere. But finding a tackle? Now that is tough. And here we sit with, you know, a few pretty good tackles and struggling to find a right guard. So I, I don't know.
0: I know, um, but if you're gonna try Jamil Douglas and so if if the if the belief on Kelly at guard is quote unquote I don't know, which is I think where you are, and honestly it's probably where Vrabel and them are. Like they may well, have a little bit better idea, but yeah, not, probably got... not that much because they've never played him at guard. Well, yeah,
1: but I'm sure he's practiced or he's whatever at guard. So they probably have a, a pretty good indication as to whether or not he's, you know, he's can play there. And I don't know, you know, it's the same thing. If you're a tackle, you really don't want to play guard now.
0: I know, but I don't care what <laughs> Kelly wants to do.
1: <laughs> oh, no, yeah. But, I mean, it's not, you know, that's not your, that's not your ideal situation. But would you,
0: you know? rather sit on the bench or would you rather play?
1: I don't. I, I, that would be up to him, of course. But I, I don't. I would rather play, but I know I'm going to guess this. If you were to ask Conklin that, he may say, "Put me on the bench," because you know he knows you can't do it. You know. So I mean, well, it's-
0: Conklin needs to start playing better because if if Kelly can only play tackle, if Ke- let's just say Kelly and Conklin both were saying that they were going to refuse to play guard and they both wanted to play tackle. Number well, one, I, yeah, that's a huge mess you have on your hands of players not being willing to put the team first. Yeah,
1: I don't know that you would get anybody that says, I don't want to play guard. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you would have guys that are tackles that would not be excited about playing guard. And, and generally speaking, if you're doing something that you're hating, you're probably not doing as well as you, you'd like to do it.
0: But, again, is that still better than Nate Davis? Uh, I don't know. I got to believe Kelly, at at least Kelly should get the chance. Kelly is one, if you were to rank the five best offensive linemen on the Titans, there's no way Dennis Kelly's not in the top five.
1: No, I would agree.
0: And because of that, I think Dennis Kelly has, you got to try it you got to try it, especially this week against Denver, because even though Denver's defense isn't that good and it's a shell of what it used to be in the Wade Phillips days, I'm telling you, they will eat Davis up just like Buffalo did, just like Jacksonville did to Douglas. I mean, I, I think what's happened is people, you know, they, they want Davis to work out, and they say, well, we can't. Davis can't get better if Davis doesn't play. So Davis has to go out there and play. And that's great, but you just lost to the Buffalo Bills. And, and, I mean, we're talking about Davis. Saffold is doing his best to play himself into the discussion of going to the bench, too. Because he's been lousy. I think
1: that, I think all of those things are all related. I mean, it's all affecting, everybody's affecting everybody else. The only guy that's not affected is probably the center and and he's trying to get the calls, trying to get the protection going the right way so they're helping the right guy. But, I mean, you know, you've got a new group on the left and you've got a new group on the right and you're doing this in the fifth game of the season. That's, you know, nobody nobody has an offensive line that is in complete turmoil in the fifth game. Now, you may have a guy get hurt here or there, but his backup is, generally speaking, some guy that, you know, has played there before. He steps right in, but I mean, you've got it across the board with this offensive line, and at a point in time that you can, you can least uh, want it. You know, I mean, there's you can. It's it's the hardest situation you've had to adapt to it because you really don't have any. You know, the Banfield's gone, and and the other guy can't play, and you just cut two offensive linemen, and you, you know, I mean, it's. It's up and down, in and out. That that offensive line meeting room is like, you know, hi, I'm Floyd Reese, I'm your coach, and your name is, you know, it's, it's got to be a mess.
0: I just think that I just want to see them try it. I'm not asking for much. Just, you know, until you get something figured out, try Dennis Kelly. And if Dennis Kelly's an option, why haven't they tried Dennis Kelly so far? Now, now part of that's because they had to have Kelly play left tackle. So if you've got Kelly at left tackle – there would be no point to try him at guard. But now, and I do remember when they acquired Kelly. Now, this was like four years ago when they acquired Kelly. But when they acquired Kelly, the thing about him was, hey, he's the swing guy. He's the guy who can play both tackle and guard and, you know, can start in a pinch and and has proven that he can start in a pinch because he is, he is far exceeded what I think anyone thought the Titans were getting when they offloaded Doriel Green Beckham to the Eagles in order to get Kelly. But now I'm just I'm I'm ready to give up on this. You know, let's see how they do. Let's see how they because I mean they are they are dragging this team. Well, down.
1: I have to believe, have to believe, that if the options were starting a Kelly that can play guard, or starting a rookie that's never ever put a jock on, that you would start Kelly. So. There's, I think that kind of tells you a little something-something right there.
0: Or if last year in London, Spain's out, the options are playing Levin, who we know they don't even like because they cut, or playing Kelly, you would play Kelly if that was an option. We'll take your calls on the offensive line. 615-737-1025, 737 1025 I'm just ready to try it, honestly, at this point. Mike Vrabel was asked a question about Roger Stafford. And coming up next... Why Vrabel's answer was so telling. We'll get to that coming up next. Jared and the GM, we are live at Bridgestone Arena, Pete and Terry's Tavern. It's ESPN 1025, The Game. Let me tell you about Hiller, plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical. When I moved into my home a year ago, I didn't know exactly who I wanted to go with. I didn't even know what you needed to get in terms of a, a plumbing, heating, cooling, or electrical group. And I'm so glad I got with Hiller. Any time there's an issue Hiller comes right to the home they take care of the problem and I get a fair price thanks to true transparency pricing that's my number one favorite thing about being able to tell you about Hiller is the fact that they're not going to slam you with some hidden fees or special rates or they're not going to hit you over the head with something you didn't think you had to pay That's why Hiller is so respected. They have an average 4.8 out of 5-star rating on over 15,000 online reviews. That's Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. If you like the other guys but you want to give Hiller a try, Call Hiller out for a second opinion on some major work you may be doing. You'll be surprised with what Hiller will tell you. That's Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical, proud supporters of the Nashville Predators and the Tennessee Volunteers. See that logo right there, center tonight? It's Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. Call the Happy Face Truck today. As far as the offensive line's concerned, for the last two years since you've been the coach, it's, it's been inconsistent. And you change guys out, bring in a big free agent, draft somebody relatively high. You've got an all pro or a pro bowl left tackle, a guy who is an all pro and right tackle. And the line still seems to struggle. Where are you with Keith Carter and the job that he has done and is doing with the offensive line?
2: Very confident, very confident. I would say that, uh, you know, I have a luxury of watching a 19 year old son play offensive line and the head coach. There's an offensive line coach. He's got a line coach at the end of the day they got to line up, they got to know who to block, and they got to block their guy. So we, we know who to block, and we, if, if we don't know, and if we're not teaching them and they say, Coach, I didn't know what to do on this play, uh, then, then we'd have a problem. But, you know, we, 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 have, to, we have to sit there and block our guy. It becomes a lot of one-on-one matchups in this league, and that's why it's great because you kind of find out the receivers and a DB. It's one-on-one matchups. It's an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. It's a linebacker and a running back, and uh, those are great things to have, Uh, and you go out there and you got to win more of those one-on-one matchups than you lose.
0: Blame the players, don't blame the coach, says Mike Frabel, essentially, when asked about, hey, you know, Keith Carter, the offensive line coach. Now, Floyd, I know we disagree on this, uh, but I'm, I'm on the record as saying I think they should fire Keith Carter, the offensive line coach. I think he's a problem, but... But apparently, and I didn't see what exactly what Roger Saffold said, but they asked Vrabel about Saffold comments in which Saffold says he is struggling picking up with the coaching. He is, he is struggling getting acclimated to the coaching, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, only because, if for no other reason, he came from the Rams, which is what this system and this verbiage and everything that, LeFleur came brought to Nashville that Arthur Smith was going to keep intact was supposed to be, right?
1: Yeah, to a large percentage. Okay, yeah, so I don't know how much Arthur kept of that, but I assume he kept some of it.
0: Well, so I guess I guess Saffold is saying that he's having a hard time getting up to speed on the coaching and the scheme. And Arthur Smith was asked about the same thing today. So Vrabel was asked yesterday about about this, about Saffold kind of saying, yeah, I'm having a hard time getting up to speed with the coaching. And Vrabel's answer –
1: Do we have that quote anywhere? No offense to you, but I I prefer to read it Well, we'll just listen to the
0: way it's asked. The question is asked of Vrabel here. You hear that, and then you hear Vrabel's response. And Vrabel's response, I think, is very telling.
1: Roger Saffold saying Monday that he's still kind of getting used to different coaching and combining that with, I think he said, his own flavor. Uh, is that is that transition or, or adjustment taking a little bit longer no,
2: than anticipated? No, we're we're going to focus on improving here this week and, and seeing if we can block um, Wolf and, and Harris and all those guys Walker and, and all those guys for Denver. Um, however, we we can. We're, we're going to try to practice, prepare, learn who to block, and, and and do our best to block our guy.
0: So instead of actually addressing what Saffold may have said. Rabel just goes, we're just gonna to try to win our matchups this week, go one on one and do do the not even touching the idea of what is the problem with Saffold, where Saffold is kind of I'm not saying pointing a finger over at the coaching, but by saying, Hey, you know, I'm I'm struggling a little bit with the coaching and my own flavor for whatever you want to interpret that as, to me, I feel like Vrabel is ignoring – Vrabel ignored the question because he doesn't want to talk about that. But it should be talked about, and that is, is the coaching getting to this offensive line? <laughs> I
1: don't I – don't, let me say, I don't even know what that means, coaching with my own flavor. I, I don't know what that means. I, I mean, it's meaningless to me, so – I don't, you know what? I mean, Mike, I think hit it on the head. we got to go out there. we got to figure out who to block. we got to block them. It's that simple. Now, again, I, I'll say this again. I have seen Saffold play for 10 years. Saffold is a quality player. Is he affected by a brand-new tackle? Yes, he is. Is he affected by a brand-new system of some sort? He probably is to a certain extent. Um, is he affected by whatever changes they make on a, on a weekly basis, you know, he might be. But he's no more affected than, than anybody else. He's certainly no more affected than the rookie. I mean, the rookie's figuring out how to line up. So I, I think this. I think after he and Taylor get a little bit of play time, they're going to be fine. And I think that Jones and him and Taylor on the left side are going to be fine. I have to believe if Conklin can get some kind of understanding or support or whatever it is on the rookie guard then I think that will pan out. Now, how good is the rookie guard going to be? Oh, I have no clue. I mean, I don't I don't know if he's a, a starting NFL, you know, uh guard or not. I just don't know and I, and to be honest i'm not sure they know because they haven't seen much of him play either mm-hmm. you know i think i think it's kind of this is the best of all of these bad options and let's see how this works out but it doesn't make it the you know the real answer and i think we have yet to find that out
0: so from from where i sit at least as far as the the offensive line is concerned i'm not ready to make the assumptions you're making the ones of hey When Taylor and Saffold get more time together, they're going to work out. It's going to work. I mean, I have not had the same pleasure that you have had of watching Saffold play for, you know, play for 10 years years to say that the guy's any good because he's been terrible. And the left tackle, you know, I mean, say it or not, he's in theory clean over at left tackle which I don't know if he was clean before or not. I don't know. Uh, But that's where he is. Conklin is progressively regressed, if that's a thing. Has consistently regressed since his all-pro season. I'm worried about offensive line, and I'm worried about the coach with the offensive line. And I think the players, because I think a guy like Saffold, the last person he's going to blame is himself. So the more this continues, the more... They'll be looking for somebody else to blame, if that makes any sense. And then I think you'll have a, a, an offensive line room that's trying to figure out why they're so bad. And they'll look at the coach. I mean, remember when Bob Bostad was here and he, the offensive line coach was terrible, or he was the op- offensive line coach under Wizenhunt, and he was so bad that as soon as he left, like Chance Warmack and, and all those guys came out talking about how great it was to get rid of him. I wonder if we're looking at a similar situation here with the offensive line coach. This is what Roger Saffold said uh, about his issues and, and why he was struggling.
1: Okay. For me right now, I think what it comes down to is just, you know, how can we, you know, kind of go with the technique that the coach is coaching, uh, put my own flavor on it so that I can mesh well with the team. Uh, obviously, the coaching style is a difference, but that shouldn't just, that shouldn't just change dramatically. So that's, that's something that I'm trying to figure out on my own.
0: So Saffold's saying that adjusting to the coaching technique <laughs>
1: the key word that whole thing you missed the whole key word technique he's working on the technique which is not you know i don't know how much, i don't know what kind of technique they taught at the rams but i mean they're obviously teaching something different here and he's trying to get that technique and blend it with whatever the rest of that he said but that's i mean i don't think that's highly unusual right now taylor's doing the same thing and Taylor's arguably the best left tackle in it's the not league. Is that the same technique that he's used last year and that they
0: coached him last year?
1: Obviously, he's not. You know, I mean, but I don't know that. I, I mean, Taylor and he have played n- no time together. There is a reason, and we talked about this yesterday briefly, there's a reason offensive linemen spend literally every minute together. Every minute. Because everything they do, they have to do as a unit. They have to do as a group. And if you pluck one guy out of that group and say, okay, I'm going to put this guy in there and it's going to be smooth as it can be, wrong. That's not the way it works. There are always hiccups because he's not going to do things the same way the other guy did. And it's going to affect the guy to his left and the guy to his right, whoever they are. And so I think it's, I mean, the, the two areas that the word teamwork pertains to the most is the offensive line first, and that's, by first, I'm saying it's probably number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. Then the secondary is number six and maybe number seven, and then the rest of it. I mean, those two groups... Cannot make mistake. They they can't. They have to be flawless in what they're doing. And
0: any time there's a change, it affects what they do, and it affects their play. I just know that the Floyd Reese Titans, when Mike Munchek was the offensive line coach, the Floyd Reese Titans would lose a guy, plug a guy in, and he may not. You know that
1: on a yearly he basis, felt like
0: you never I, lost it on
1: a it. yearly basis, but not a game by game basis. When those when we had Brad. And we had Runyon, and we had Bruce, and we had Benji, and we had, I mean, those guys were there every week, every year. I mean, we had the same starting offensive line, you know, with an exception here and exception there for for eight years or something. But when there know. was
0: an exception, like when on uh, Monday Night Football against the Patriots, Zach Pillar gets hurt, and Tom Ackerman has to go in there. The line doesn't totally
1: fall apart. No. I mean, and, and guys can't. I mean, Tom went in and played really, really well for us. You know, can you count on that for 10 games? No. But for a game, I mean, he really, really helped us. And and again, if you if I am Brad Hopkins and I am whoever the center was in that game and you know there's a new guy there, you can maybe subtly help him out a little bit. You know, but it's like I said before, when you got one on one on the left and one on the right, and and they both need help right now, you can't you can't split the line. You know, you can't say okay, you couple guys go over there and you couple go over here, and that's I mean I think it just makes it so much more difficult. And it's not that we didn't change linemen, but but generally speaking, we changed at the end of a year. You know, we lost Hartwig to Pittsburgh, and then went out and got whoever it was in the off season, and. He came in and was our guy for a while. So,
0: More, We'll get to your phones next. 615-737-1025. We'll go right to him uh, here on Jared and the GM. 615-737-1025. I'm not saying that I don't totally buy what you're saying because I know that there's a lot of truth in what you're saying, but the year the Titans' offensive line was the best, they picked up Josh Klein off the waiver wire right before the start of the season. and uh, What's his name? Warmat got hurt the second game. Klein went right in, and he was better than... What they had had. And he came in on the fly, too. So I think it's either the quality of the players or it's the quality of the coach. 615-737-1025. Jared of the GM live from Pete and Terry's Tavern. Authentically American. We've got our Authentically American polos on today. We love rocking Authentically American. And you will, too. It was funny. I was talking to Dean, the CEO and founder of Authentically American the other day. We were talking about different things. And I was like, Dean, i got to get some more Authentically American gear because it's so comfortable it is so legit, and it looks great and is made in the USA. That's right. Not made in China, not made in Indonesia, not made in Vietnam, not ma- made in the USA. Authentically American. If you want clothes that are made in the USA, if you want your business to have apparel like our business does that's made in the USA, you got to get with Authentically American. And if you give them a try, it's simple. Us. Promo code Jared. That's my name, Jared, J-A-R-E-D. Promo code Jared gets you 20% off of anything you order, including their brand-new Sweat ink. It's all part of Authentically American. Give it a try today, Authentically Us. Jared, the GM, it's ESPN 1025 again.
2: What are you with Tom and where's he as far as him trying to work his way back in the conversation? Well, like any player that comes back from injury, you have to be able to you know, go through to return to play, and, and he got some reps last week. And, you know, I felt responded okay physically, and then we'll kind of see where it is here today going forward.
0: That was Vrabel, and apparently today at practice, Ian was telling me Kevin Palmfield, full practice today, Floyd Reese. What do you think of that? I mean, he's already not been there for the most important time that he needed to be there. I mean, it is. There is no reason to keep him on the team once he's healthy, right? So so you, you got no you got no room for South? No. I mean for up uh, That's uh I mean for me he's he can go. He's your guy. No. You brought him in to be the starting right guard, now he's healthy. You don't want to play right guard? No.
1: I don't want him because he can't be there. Yeah, you can't he's not reliable.
0: Maybe he'll I, be reliable now that he gets help. No, he, no.
1: Well, it makes you think that he's played two or 20 games. That's enough for me. Two of 21 now. Two of 21. That's enough. Made me a believer. See ya.
0: Let's go to your phones. By the way, MTSU Blue Raider football team back in action Saturday on the road at Florida Atlantic. Kickoff at 3 on 102.5 The Gate 97.5 in the borough. Ty is up next on Mike Vrabel. Thank you for calling. Thank you for waiting.
2: Go ahead, Tyreekus. Hey man, how you guys? Well, I was I was wondering, man. Is, is it is it um is it is it any way that like when it comes down to a couple of coaches and you don't know who to hire, like they can take IQ tests? Because it's like I would be like some of the things Mike Vrabel are doing, man. They should actually have an IQ test for some of the coaches. For like basically, if it's fourth and four, your field goal missed three kicks already. Six minutes left. What do you do? Go for it. Kick a field goal. Pun it. Like. We should just start making tests like this just to see what kind of
0: coach we're getting. <laughs> so, Tyreekus, I appreciate your call. I don't think Vrabel lacks in the IQ department. In fact, if you've ever spent any time around Vrabel, you're, Vrabel's a pretty smart dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, Vrabel is – and you hear his comments with the press and things like that. I mean, he's a real smart – whatever. You know, I mean, he's a – he he's, I, I mean, he's a real smart ass, You know, he is – Vrabel's a smart guy. So, that's what is – perplexing about some of the decisions right or wrong for Vrabel is that a smart guy could make certain choices sometimes, but I don't think it, it lacks with Vrabel's IQ test. I mean, I think you've probably been around a lot of football coaches and would say Mike Vrabel probably smarter than a lot of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I certainly don't question that. In fact, I don't know that I've ever, I'm trying to think, I don't know that I've ever been around a coach that I questioned his IQ. Ever? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think again. I don't I don't know who it would be. Um,
0: well, you've never been around Hugh Jackson or somebody like that. No. <laughs> there
1: are some options out there, I guess, that I don't know about.
0: So, I, you know, make of it what you will. I, I think Vrabel's a smart dude, and I think I think Vrabel's a good coach. I just think you're going to have to learn through, live through some of this, and hopefully Vrabel will... Learn his ways. I was talking to you. I think a step for Vrabel is going to come. Is he's never fired an assistant coach before? I think that that moment is going to have to happen this off season. Um, I think you know the assistant coaches I want fired, but I do think you can't tell me every guy is coaching great if you're going to win the same amount of games every year. Somebody is not carrying their share, um, but we'll see. Let's go to Mayberry. Who's up next here on Jared and the GM Live at Bridgestone Arena, Pete and Terry's Tavern? What's up, Mayberry? Jared, I, I,
1: I really don't appreciate your tone when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. I'm part of the Bills mafia. The Bills have defeated the Titans three games in a row. Come on now.
0: Give it up. What, what did we say about the Bills? I, I don't know what we said about the Bills that's bad. It was your tone. Oh, they
1: lost to the Buffalo Bills. Man, they lost to the they Bills. They did lose three to the Buffalo Bills. Row. Come on now.
0: Come and they literally, they literally. Pete, thank you for the call, Mayberry. They literally choked all three games away. It's like the Cardinals yesterday watching baseball, right? The Cardinals are celebrating, oh, we took it to them and we did this and we did that. The Cardinals, they could have been playing the, the USN Baseball Tigers. They could have been playing them, the Braves could have yesterday, and they would have lost the way that they played that game. It had nothing to do with the Cardinals The Cardinals are a mediocre so-so playoff team, but the Braves just choked away the whole series starting in Game 4, and they choked it away in Game 5. And I feel like the Titans did the exact same thing to Buffalo, just like they did to the Colts earlier in the season, where you look at that game, and it really wasn't anything special Buffalo did, but it was everything you messed up.
1: Well, I think when two teams of equal ability play, that's generally what happens. Somebody loses it before somebody... Wins it.
0: And when you can't kick, and but you can't But I'm curious lock.
1: about the Cards comments. That, that was the highest scoring game in the history
0: of the sport. It wasn't the highest scoring game ever. I ever score. scored 13 runs. In the, in nah. the inning. Now I'm talking no, about in one the, inning. Yeah. yeah. They scored. Think in about 10. this. And this, this goes back to back up my claim that it wasn't so much the Cardinals as much as it was the Braves. The Cardinals scored 10 runs on five hits. <laughs> they got five hits. Five. Do you know how hard it is to score ten runs on five hits? Do you know how, score, how hard it is to score five runs on five hits? They scored ten runs on five hits. It was a total choke job by the Braves. The Braves brought in a new pitcher with the bases loaded, and he walked the other team's pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how bad it was. And I don't want to rehash this anymore. Carl is up next on the Titans offensive line. Go ahead, Carl. Uh, what's up, fellas? Uh, I, I've i got to agree with Floyd about the, I think once
2: Taylor and Saffold and, and Ben get a few games together under their belt, I think they'll get Lock and Steph together. It's the right side of the line that really worries me. Is there any chance that they could maybe move Conklin and let him play guard and let Kelly play tackle? And I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. I, I love Thank, y'all's show, thanks. guys.
0: Thank you Carl. Thank you. Floor, you want to take this
1: one? I mean, that's something that we've talked about for, you know, a while now. Um and again, if you're, you know, if you're trying to get your best five offensive linemen on the field, you know, something like that probably should happen. But I'm not sure that they know how to do. It. I mean, they're in my mind right now, you got two options which is you move Jack inside, you put Kelly outside. Or maybe Kelly can play center, and you move Kelly to center and move Ben to right guard. But I don't know that. I don't know if he's ever snapped a ball. I don't know if he's ever even lined up there. So, um, you know, that's something you'd have to think about. But again, you know, those guys like Jack, Jack didn't want to play guard. I mean, he's already made that, you know, clear to everybody. Has he? Has he? Yeah. When I've heard him twice talk about, you know, well, what about, you know, what if they move you? Oh, no, I'm not a card. I'm a tackle. So, and, you know, it's his contract year. He's going to make some money, and, and that's a way for him to do it, I'm sure, in his mind. So I can't blame him there. But.
0: A little breaking news, by the way. Colin Kaepernick's representatives released statements today to clear up some facts surrounding Colin Kaepernick that just came out. So they've released, like, a and a Like, you know when you're about to, like, go to a hotel or something and you, or whatever, and you, it's, like, frequently asked questions, and you click it, and it's like, what kind of tickets do you need for the art festival? What kind of clothes should you wear? What kind of, like, how they do a Q&A on a website, FAQ or whatever? It's, this is what it looks like Colin Kaepernick's representatives have released. So, for example, the first question is... Uh, Is Colin still able to seek employment in the NFL after he filed a grievance? Yes, Eric Reid filed the same grievance and is currently employed by an NFL team. Does Colin still want to play? Yes, he's been working out five days a week for three years in preparation to play to get. Has Colin demanded a specific salary in connection with his employment? No, that narrative is completely false. What about Colin being a distraction with the 49ers? His coach, Chip Kelly, during the 2016 season said about Colin, he is zero distraction. In the same 2016 season, Colin won the Lynn Eshmont Award, voted on by 49er players, given to the 49er who best exemplifies inspirational and courageous play. And it goes on and on. It is literally two pages, question and answer, about Colin Kaepernick, Uh, including the last question, which is, is Colin still good enough to play? And it continues with, let's provide statistics to show Collin's ability to play football at the highest level. Despite having three to recover from three surgeries during 2016, Colin immediately started once he was healthy and was never beaten out by any other quarterback on the roster. Is that true? Didn't Wasn't he the Alex backup? Smith, Alex Smith beat him out twice. No, no, no. I'm talking about playing Gabbert. This was talking about in 2016. Gabbert beat him out. Yeah, wasn't Gabbert the starting quarterback, and he was the backup until Gabbert lost like five games, and then they put Kaepernick in at quarterback?
1: Uh... I think, if I remember correctly, he started the season. Gabbard took it over, and then Gabbard got hurt or something.
0: No, Gabbard started the season over Kaepernick because he beat the Rams that one game where they opened up, and it was like, oh, look at Chip Kelly Maybe. in San Francisco. But yeah, but so, I know he,
1: I know Gabbard had beat him out.
0: So, what do you think about Colin Kaepernick's team putting out a putting out a FAQ on Colin Kaepernick still wanting to play football?
1: Yeah, give it a rest.
0: <laughs> Coming up next on Jared and the GM, why the Preds have done something, I guess that has angered some fans, and why I think these fans need to just pipe it. We'll get to that next. Jared and the GM, we're live from Pete and Terry's Tavern. It's ESPN 1025, the game. Jared and the GM, we're live at Bridgestone Arena where the Preds are taking on Washington and Floyd. The thing that pre- – see, this, is, this story I'm about to – I might lose my mind on this. I I don't know. But Fred's fans seem to get mad about some of the dumbest things. You know, kinda like it's it's kinda like me, right? Like they get mad at me. I'll say something like, you know, I feel really good about Johnny. I feel really good really bad about Jimmy, and all they care about is Jared Stillman, bad mouth, Jimmy today. And honestly, I don't even care anymore. I'm not really sure I ever cared, but I really don't care anymore. And I'm just like, that's just how Preds Twitter and Preds people, and that's just how the fans are going to get. And that's all right. They'll boo me when they put me on the Jumbotron, and then they'll listen to us whenever, you know, something happens because we're always talking about it. Well, apparently, the Predators have a new uh, thing at the games. Floyd, you hate pedal taverns, right? When you're stuck behind one driving around downtown and there's a bunch of bachelorette girls that are... You know, on um, the back of a pedal tavern, and you're stuck behind it, and going up that. a hill trying uh, to get home. God, yeah, I'm not it. happy, but it's other a, than that,
1: more power to them.
0: Everybody hates it. I hate him. You hate him. We all hate We all hate them. I hate them. So the Preds have. I guess you can't call it a pedal tavern because that name's trademarked, but it's essentially a Preds pedal tavern that goes around the ice during the second intermission during the games, and they put it out on the ice, and uh, they auction off. The seats on the pedal tavern and their goal is to raise forty one thousand dollars for the predators 365 fund by auctioning off the seats throughout the course of the year Well, the pedal tavern came out last thursday and the fans went nuts In terms of booing it Then it came back out saturday and the fans went nuts and they booed it and twitter got mad and people got mad and they're upset how dare the Nashville Predators take something that like it or not is a part of this city how dare they take something and make money for charity off it well and these people cried like babies and boo it like it's a bad thing and cry and cry and cry and I'm thinking to myself, what kind of loser do you have to be to get so worked up about something that has nothing to do with you and is raising money for charity? And I think these Preds fans are just, well, it's a pedal tavern. We don't like pedal taverns. Why right? are they putting a pedal tavern out there? Well. And I, I didn't even know about it. And I went to the game on Saturday. And I didn't even know about it. I wouldn't know about it if Adam Bingen didn't write like a 1,000-word article about it today in The Athletic.
1: You guys, you guys don't have enough to do.
0: Is that not you the – I mean, guys, it's so obvious.
1: You guys got to find a hobby, something.
0: I mean, these people on Tuesday. This is from the Adam Bingen article. On Tuesday, a tweet from the Predators promoting the cause received dozens of angry replies imploring them to stop. That evening, the Pedal Tavern discreetly took the ice during the second intermission, and it sounded as if the volume on the house band was tuned up to drown out any jeers. Why? Yeah, I, the Predators should not even change what they do because t- 31 people on Twitter get mad about a Pedal Tavern. If, if it was going to raise $41,000 for charity, I think I'd let someone take a wooden paddle and smack me on the rear end for it if it would raise $41,000 for pediatric cancer research. I think I'd let that happen. I think I'd let one person do it one time on my rear end with a wooden paddle if I knew it would raise $41,000 for charity. And so these Preds fans are going to get mad on Twitter, and they're going to boo Charity?
1: I, I don't know. It's by me, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know anything. I mean, about it's embarrassing, though. But but it's embarrassing.
0: No, stuff. you just—it's <laughs> embarrassing. It's embarrassing that the Preds fan base. this—it goes back to the same mentality when they boo Ryan Suter 17 years after the guy left. It's embarrassing. You're embarrassing yourself, Pretz fans, when you boo that pedal tavern or you throw a fit. How dare the Predators come up with a creative reason to raise some money, which, as I said again, is a part of this town. You may not like pedal taverns. I don't like pedal taverns. I find them to be incredibly obnoxious. There's nothing more frustrating than walking on the street by a bunch of pedal taverns, by a bunch of woo girls who are on Jenny's Bachelorette Party that. What? Look, we're singing to some Journey song. Woo! There is nothing more obnoxious than that. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. But again, I'm for charity. And again, it's not like your car is behind the pedal tavern on the ice. It just bothers me when Pred fans, who generally speaking do a great job of being good fans, go out there and do something stupid. I would agree. It's like throwing a catfish on the ice and making a big deal about it. I, don't, I find that to be dumb. But if you're going to throw a catfish on the ice and you're going to make $41,000 for charity for it, fine. Throw as many on the ice as you'd like. I don't care. Uh, just uh, the, the nature of the Predator fan, uh, it's, it's, it's so different sometimes than the nature of other fan bases. And it's like you've got a really, really good 85% of your fan base. I think 85% to 90% of the Preds fans are good, honest, legit root for the team, happy when they win, sad when they lose fans. And then there's just 10% who just go nuts on Twitter over everything. Boo charity and don't like people that aren't, you know, die-hard fans for 15 years and just picked it up 3 years ago and they don't like those people either. And those are the people that bother me. The booing the charity people. <laughs> like they probably did this and I don't know. The Predators probably did this all in good fun. And now you're booing charity.
1: Uh, again, I don't <laughs>
0: Would you let someone smack you on the rear end with a paddle if it forty one thousand dollars went to charity?
1: Uh oh yeah. For kids? Yes. Yeah, you do a lot worse than that.
0: I know, right? So if they're going to put out a pedal tavern, the second intermission. Again, I went to the game Saturday, and I didn't even notice it. I did not even see it on Saturday, and I went to the game. And, I mean, honestly, I don't even know if this is a story worth Adam Bingen writing about. A
1: thousand words.
0: <laughs> I mean, Floyd, look at this. This is the start of the article. Look at this, Floyd. Look, so I got my phone out, and I'm showing Floyd how long it is. This is the start of the article, right? <laughs> Like, look how far it scrolls oh, down.
1: We've got to find you, hobby.
0: We've got to find something more important to talk about. Come to work but, on. again, those, the Pred fans that boo the Pedal Tavern, boo you. Boo you. And stop being such a crybaby. And stop being so sensitive. And, again, you're booing charity. And i got a problem with people who boo charity. Because I appreciate the work that the Predators do and the money they give out and the money the Titans give out. And the things that they do in the community in order to be better for the community. So, you know what? To me, if they're raising this much money, I say put two pedal taverns out there and raise even more money for charity. I got no problem with it. 615-737-1025. 615-737-1025. I can't believe I'm going to say this. But I'm kind of surprised by the fan reaction. As far as Marcus Mariota is concerned, we'll get to that coming up next and why. It's sharing the GM live from Bridgestone Arena at Pete and Terry's Tavern, CSPN 1025, the game.